1: Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple
1: Daily. Not necessarily. Great respect for, for,
2: for him. We played against him a lot through the years and been a very productive player in this league. He's clearly a smart guy, can handle you know a lot of different systems. He's done that throughout his career, played at
1: a very high level. Jason Garrett there, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Matthew Collar. Alex Boone, former Minnesota Viking, with you today. We've got hot routes coming up and matchups in our next segment to break down. There are so many in this game. Alex, how are you feeling, man? It's Vikings and it's Cowboys, and every game that's NFC versus NFC from here on out is going to be huge.
3: Dude, I am so pumped up right now. I mean, you talk about two rushing attacks against two really, really hard-nosed defenses. Dude, this is going to be the game of the year so far.
1: Well, let's just start off talking about this, because I, I do want to get into some other matchups. But Delvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, running backs, the value of running backs. To me, that is the big kind of one-on-one, if you were going to do it that way. Uh, yesterday, naturally, with the former quarterback, Sage Rosenfels, we got into Dak Prescott versus Kirk Cousins Let's talk about Delvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. And Alex, the most interesting thing to me about these two running backs is that one got paid and one eventually wants to be paid. How do you think NFL teams should handle this now with so many running backs being kind of the centerpieces of their offense, as these two players are, but a lot of the numbers point to maybe uh, running backs being easier to replace than other positions, and also there's that dreaded age curve that we talk about a lot. I feel like the Vikings are going to eventually have to make a tough decision the same way Dallas
3: did with Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you talk about... A team that was going into camp and everybody was like, dude, they're in total disarray. Now they're actually kind of not looking so bad, but a lot of it is because of Zeke. And I had a huge conspiracy theory that I've been thinking about for weeks. and, And it was basically that I think that based on paying Zeke and the way that they did it, I think he did that as an insurance policy for it's going to be Amari and Dak later on, and basically saying, hey, listen, no matter what you say, this offense was always predicated on Zeke. And so if you figure, if you pay Zeke and get him back into the offense, whether they do good or bad, you could pretty much blame it on Zeke, right? Like, you do really good at the end of the year, and all of a sudden Dak comes back and goes, hey, listen, it's my turn. They're going to turn around and go, well, it's it's really Zeke that did it all. You didn't really do too much. I mean, he was the one that put nine guys in the box all the time. He's the one that ran really tough, like – All of a sudden, in my mind, I was like, dude, I think Jerry paid Zeke so that down the road he doesn't have to pay Dak and Amari because he's going to say that no matter what happens, it was based on Zeke. We didn't have success. You're right. We didn't have success. Now I don't have to pay you, Dak, but if we do, I'm just going to say it's all based on Zeke, and there I only have to pay one guy. Like, it kind of, does it make sense to you a little
1: bit? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. And and with Dak Prescott, I look at what he has done so far in his career. You look at his just the win-loss record to start. And then if you add the touchdowns that he ran in with the ones that he passed for, he's usually around 30 touchdowns a year. He is a dynamic player. He's a great leader. He is not the best passer in the world, but uh, it's very hard to replace a quarterback of that level, so that's why it kind of surprises me that I I agree with your uh, assessment that you know they're paying Zeke, and it's unclear whether they're going to pay Dak Prescott in the future. I think a quarterback of his caliber is always much harder to replace than a running back. But then you see how their offense is built, and it is largely around Zeke Elliott. And here is a guy who led the league in yards per game rushing three years in a row, and has 92 yards rushing per game this year, 24 catches to add to that so he could catch the ball out of the backfield, and it becomes a very interesting dynamic because just by positional value, I would easily say, oh yeah, quarterback, but I feel like there are a few running backs in the NFL, Zeke is one of them, Delvin is another one, where you couldn't just say... Eh, you know what, we'll just draft somebody next year. We'll just replace that guy. And, and I think that so far, Zeke has kind of shown that with this team. He's got 741 rushing yards already in just eight games. I mean, it, it kind of tells you how they've been built, that they had to pay him. They had to make sure that he came back.
3: Dude, when you lose a guy like Zeke, or let, let, let's be honest, they're never going to let Dalvin go. Like, you just can't let guys like that go because when they do go, you have to replace them with a committee of guys. Like, and you have to find the right committee. I mean, you look over in like San Francisco and they have three guys in their backfield that are really good. And other than that, there's not a lot of teams that can boast a lot of weapons in their backfield. Other than that, right. it's like workhorse running backs, you know? And so you're saying, well, what's the problem? And the problem becomes you can't have too many of the same guys in the room. So. You're basically looking for three different guys. One of them's going to be the catcher, one's going to be the zone, and one's going to be the power. And then those three guys have to work well together. And then they have to work well with the offensive line. Like there's so many variables that go into this. And when you're just like, you know what? Just pay Dalvin. He is. Absolutely worth it. I mean, not only is he a great running back, but I love that he can catch the ball just as well as he can run it. And he can block. Yep. Like, there's so many running backs that you look in this league and you're like, man, that guy's a great running back, but he doesn't know how to block. Therefore, what the hell? Like, you're half of a running back. We can't use you on third down. We can't use you when you're not important. Like, what is that? You look at these running backs that are great at everything, and you're like, dude, you are worth every single dollar. Absolutely.
1: The fact that Delvin Cook has become so quickly in his career, uh, even before he was injured uh, right as a rookie, he established himself as that all-around running back. And then you know, the next year he was terrific when he wasn't battling the hamstring injury. This year we've seen uh, the full potential of Delvin Cook. Uh, I mean, last week, without Delvin Cook, I think if it's an average running back, if it's just your, hey, we drafted this guy in the third round – I mean, I think they're running for twenty no yards, right? Not seventy yards. No chance. And Dude,
3: you're not even you're not even scoring any points that game. And, and I mean, you got to think, Dalvin's the one that he's the one that doesn't need an offensive line. You just need to get in front of people with Dalvin, and he'll make the rest happen. And that's why he's so special. I mean, how many guys does it take to bring him down on a consistent basis? That is what's so amazing to watch about him. So there's. Success stories, but there's
1: also nightmare stories when it comes to the contracts, and that's where Mm. I think it's going to be very tricky, and even though Delvin Cook is under contract for one more year, this conversation is happening now because Delvin Cook should not go into his last year without a contract extension, I don't think. I mean, because... People will always say, oh, you could just franchise tag him after he becomes a free agent. Well, not if he decides to sit out and you know how difficult it is to resign him. And I think that on his side, it would be smart to start talking about a Zeke-like extension pretty soon. And the injuries that he had are not like long-term injuries. It was a hamstring thing. Well, Adam Thielen's got that right now. Stephon, Diggs had that before. Everybody runs into that at some point in their career where they've got a nagging hamstring. And he got through that. The ACL, right? I mean, doesn't that happen to every skill position player? They get a nagging hamstring at some point?
3: As soon as you said it, I started laughing because I think all the guys are like, dude, it's just a hamstring. I'll be out two weeks. You're like, good God with these hamstrings.
1: Yep, 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 exactly. And and even Delvin was talking about, you look on the uh, injury report every week, some other... Or I think it was Kirk Cousins said some other team has some guy with a hamstring issue. I mean, it always huh. happens in a quick twitch sport, if you will, uh, Alex. Uh, but I don't I didn't look at that with Delvin as, oh no, he's always gonna have this problem. It heals up and, and now he's healthy. Um, But when I look at some of the contracts around the league that have been signed, right now Le'Veon Bell, his team is bad, but that one's not working out. Todd Gurley's isn't working out. David Johnson's not so much. Uh, Devontae Freeman, definitely not. And then there are others no. that have, but it nope. becomes sort of risky territory A couple of years ago, we would have said, Todd Gurley, my gosh, you have to sign him. He's going to be unbelievable for the next 10 years. And now he's on pace for the fewest number of touches of his NFL career. So it becomes, I think, very tricky, but also very soon that we're going to start having these conversations with Delvin.
3: Well, I think there's a lot that goes into that. And number one is the CBA is about to be up, right? So if I'm the players, I'm trying to get rid of franchise tagging. Like, we're, that's one of the number one things. Hey, listen, you cannot franchise us anymore. Like, these one year deals are over. Because everybody hates him so much that they're so worried about getting hurt. And it's like, dude, that's it. Like, once it's over, it's over. Mm-hmm. There is no second free agency. So I understand why they're saying that. His contract is kind of right ending around when this CBA contract talk is supposed to be going on. So you yeah. start to think, like, dude, there could be an uncapped year again, like back in 2010. There could be a year where they don't even play. Like, I know that everybody was talking about how these two sides are getting along. And not to get off topic, but let's be honest. If they were getting along, don't you think they'd have a deal done by now? Billionaires staying billionaires are right. upset about something and yep. yet they're happy and let's just keep going. Well, where's the deal? Like, they constantly keep meeting, but nothing keeps happening. So that's something to watch down the road. But. Mm-hmm. The way his contract's going to be, if you're going to pay him, pay him right now because they're only getting more expensive. Hasn't anyone ever seen the trend? They never go down; they always go up. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, "Hey, listen, this dude's in our future for the next five years, guaranteed. He is in the future. Whatever happens, he's going to be here for the next five years. Guess what? At the end of this year, here's your money." Congratulations, Dalvin. We're going to pay you now because after next year, the money just goes up even more. And after you have another terrific year, it goes up even more. And then all of a sudden you look at us and you go, hey, listen, man. I don't like the winners up here. I kind of like the winners in Miami. I like the winners down <laughs> yeah. in AZ. You don't think players have been like I don't. I kind of like the winners in the Chargers. You know, like I don't care if it's a winning team. I want to be in a nice place. There's a million things that run through the players' head. The last thing you want them to do is to start thinking about all of them. You want them to be happy. Like you know what? I'm here for the next 25 years to life, and that's the end of it. Well, Boom. First things first,
1: on the CBA, there is a very realistic possibility that we have another work stoppage, even if right. it takes us just to the final hour, like it did. Uh, what was it? Maybe five years ago, where there was, was basically incredible. no training camp, and then you just snap your ten fingers and oh, ten, ten years ago, I guess it was uh, awesome, dude. It was I've great. The fast. yeah, <laughs> no training camp. I sure truly fu- loved it,
3: but it was funny because everybody was like, dude, you know they're gonna sign this thing. Like everybody stay in shape, and yeah. of course, there's like the. F- Half the team shows up super out of shape, and you're like, oh, my God, no way. They're like, dude, I didn't think this was going to happen. You're like, dude, wow, this is just bad. Um, So, you know, it, it
1: was a it was a huge cluster at that yes. time with the CBA, but if you're a running back, the one thing about a potential work stoppage, and I don't think there's any way possible in this world that the millionaires and billionaires – just sit out for an entire year. But it always exists. And we mm-hmm. have seen, not that long ago, NBA, NHL play half seasons, basically. And that's a lot of missed paychecks. If you're a running back, any missed time is sort of like your physical clock ticking mm-hmm. more loudly than other positions, more right. loudly than a tackle or, or than a wide receiver positions where if you're great, you play until your mid-30s. And I would think from that perspective the Delvin Cook might want to look at it and say, A lot of these deals include signing bonus money up front. That means you give me your 15 mil uh, like they did with Stefan Diggs or Daniil Hunter. And I just put that right in my pocket right now. with a CBA coming up, there might be some argument for him to just right at the end of this season, sign a deal and say, okay, I've got $15 million, that's pretty good for me for a second-round pick who's been playing on, I don't know what it is, 800000 or something like that. Um, that. That might be advantageous for him to sign a similar deal to Diggs or Hunter for a running back. I think that would be very good, and it would also allow the Vikings to manipulate the salary cap uh, to fit their future
3: players that they need to pay as well. Well, the problem is, too, though, do you do you have the cab number one? And number two, if you don't, like, who do you go to? There's so many people that you would have to go to. Like, listen, it's just not working out. We're going to have to take a little bit back. Like, then it's all of a sudden, like, because you're talking about running back money now, which is going up. And it's, I mean, dude, Zeke took it through the roof. That was mm-hmm. incredible what he did. And... A lot of it, I really do believe, is because Jerry's like, listen, I will totally invest all my money into this guy, and in the back end, the quarterback will just have to deal with what he has to deal with. Mm -hmm. And you look at this money, and you're like, dude, this is like receiver money. He signed what Odell Beckham Jr., and not that OBJ. 90 mil for
1: five years, yep.
3: Dude, not that he's doing anything, but that is incredible money. And you're like, wow, these, these running backs really are the entire offense. And then you're watching the games, and you're like, they really are the entire offense. You cannot stop these guys. They are workhorses, and that's why they deserve this. And you think the expiration of these guys does not last forever. I mean, how many running backs go up for five years, and then all of a sudden it's like, Dude, that's all we had, and you're like, "Hey, man, I I do agree that they should do something with these running backs because these guys are shouldering. Like, in my opinion, Christian McCaffrey's one, Dalvin's two, Zeke is three." Those three guys alone, what they're doing for their teams is incredible, and I think that they deserve more than what they're getting. What's interesting
1: about the structure of Ezekiel Elliott's contract, though, is after 2022, let's say he's just completely broken down. It's unlikely, but let's say he's broken down. They don't have a huge dead cap hit after that, and then after 2023, they could move on for almost nothing or nothing, and that's basically the same way that the Vikings structure all of their contracts. The first couple of years, it's big cap hits, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of dead money, you can't move on from the guy, and then eventually you're locked in. But when I look at the future of this team and the players that they're paying, there are quite a few right now that they're pouring a ton of money into and a ton of cap space that they won't be in the future. Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayans are two of them this year that are taking up uh, about $30 million th- between the two of them or somewhere in that range, and I don't think either one of those guys end up being here next year. So that's a huge chunk of cash. Kyle Rudolph, two years from now, is probably not on this team. There's another huge chunk of cash. Riley Reef potentially, as well. And, and so, of course, there will be other players who come up and perform, and you have to pay them, but Delvin Cook ends up on that list of, well, he's the up-and-coming player, now he's getting paid, we're moving out that cash, and it just speaks to how brilliantly the Vikings handle the salary cap that they always seem to have an answer and they always seem to have it timed out well even despite working around Kirk Cousins
3: contract (laughs) and you know what else is great too is like nobody ever realizes the salary cap goes up like 10 to 12 million dollars every single year. So you're basically yep. like, hey, we just added another great receiver to the team, guys, congratulations. <laughs> right, right. Let's do it. Like, dude, imagine that. This offense with another great receiver. Oh, bro. So Fire. let me let me ask you this question though. If we were trying to put
1: odds on it for whether Delvin Cook's career is one of the longer ones or one of the shorter ones, like one of the uh, the the Todd Gurley's or you know famously Larry Johnson of the Chiefs broke down very quickly after carrying the ball 400 times in back to back seasons. You have Zeke continuing to do it, but he's still he's still young, so it's hard to say how that's going to work out for him. I look at the amount of carries and the amount of touches that Delvin Cook is getting right now. And it's not quite the old school Sean Alexander, Larry Johnson. The guy's going to carry it 370 times or something. But right now he has 210. Total touches in nine games, which is 40 more basically than he had last year in the entire season. He leads the NFL in rushes. He's got 41 targets. I mean, that is a pace that puts him in that ballpark of almost 400 touches if he continues to go this way. That would call into question how long this peak is going to last for Dalvin Cook.
3: Yeah. And I think that, you know, the one thing that you can just never tell is a guy's will. I mean there's some guys like you look at a Frank Gore. I mean this guy's been playing forever and he's still doing it. Adrian Peterson still playing. And you're like, dude, these guys are going forever And then there was guys that just flamed out so quickly that you were like, What happened? Mm-hmm. Where did where did that go? Reggie Bush. Where did that go? What happened? Like you, just, you just can never tell, and that's something that I think that when you talk to these guys, you look at like their work ethic, and you look at these guys, and you're like, what were they like, how did they train, how did they eat, all these things. And then you look at some of the guys that didn't last long, and you're like, what happened with that? Well, they didn't try as hard. Off the field, there was times to do things, and they just didn't want to, or they didn't try to, or there wasn't available, you know? things like that. So I think that when you're talking about 400 carries in a season, that's a lot. Dude, uh, that's a lot.
1: Okay, I want to continue this sort of matchup as we get closer uh, into the uh, next segment, a deeper dive into this guy, v this guy, defensive line, offensive line. We'll do that um, in a minute here. But um, I want to switch gears just for a second with you, Alex. I saw a really interesting number today, oh, and uh, I want to hear what you think of it. Now, I mean, this is, this is definitely more down the path of sort of nerdy analytics type of things. Don't of do do like, it playoff odds percentages all right i know i know but i want you to give me your reaction here because nfl.com put out a little video and it broke down the teams by the highest percentage of the playoffs and then through all the teams that are still in the mix and i was i clicked on it, it was about 2 minutes I'm watching, I'm like, okay, San Francisco is like 90%, Saints pretty high, okay, Patriots, obviously. I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and it's taking a long time to get to the Vikings, and it finally gets to the Vikings, and their percentages have the Vikings and Cowboys tied with both having only 48% chances to even make the playoffs at this moment.
3: Do you agree with that? Like, How does that strike you? At this moment, I mean, I think I, I think that, you know, when you talk about this season, there's a lot of things that people are kind of like, what the hell happened? Like, look at the Kansas City game. You should have won that game. I'm sorry. And you course, didn't. Yeah. So now people are like, Maybe they're not as good as we thought. Like, There's so many teams right now that people are like, maybe they're not what we thought they were. Now, they're the teams that are ahead and shoulders above of everybody, right? Saints, Patriots, teams like that. They know what they're doing. And then you have this like next tier of teams. And I agree. It's like a 50% chance because you week in and week out, you get different teams. I'll give you the best example. Seattle what the hell is going on with them that they don't know how to play at home all of a sudden? And you're like, dude, you're playing tough games against the Buccaneers at home <laughs> yeah. in overtime? Yeah. Dude, are you serious? We used to play Thursday night Thanksgiving Day slug matches, and those didn't even go into overtime. And now you got Jameis Winston taking you in overtime. Like, dude, what are you guys doing? So, yeah, I agree with that 50% because I'm not sure who's going to show up. Which defense is going to show up? Look at the Packers. Dude, what did you guys – did you forget that you were playing a game that day? <laughs> You didn't even show up, and there was zero aspect of the Packers game that I was like, I was looking today at the playoffs, and I was like, dude, if the Vikings go in right now against the Packers, I, if I were a Vikings player, I'd be like, dude, let's go right now, end the season, I'll take that in Green Bay right now. Well, that's what you get week in and week out, you never know
1: well right, and, and that's where last week made everything more confusing. It was like all the things that we thought we knew and we could have bet on, which I think included the Vikings beating a backup quarterback, yes I mean th- that is the one thing I, that we sort of overlooked because we talked about Kirk having that chance at the end and the defense not playing as well, the field goal kicker misses one, the punter shanks one out of bounds, and all those which, things yeah, right, all those Punkers. things kind of go wrong. And we then don't sort of look at the bigger picture of, wait a minute, against backup quarterbacks this year, you're 0-2. And one of those teams isn't even any good in Chicago. And then this Kansas City team still has Andy Reid and still has a lot of talent, as we saw, but you still lost to Matt Moore, who has about two starts since 2009. Right? I mean, I mean, from, from that bigger perspective, that really kicks your confidence in the growing. I, I think, for right. the rest of the way. I mean, you mentioned Seattle. That would have been one where I would normally say, hey, they're not playing the same level of defense, they're not as good at home, so you You can win that one. Now it's harder to decide. Same thing with going to Dallas, where I think it's a winnable game because your team is more talented than theirs, but now it's harder to know when you couldn't beat Chase Daniel and you couldn't beat Matt Moore on the road. Now you got to go play in a very tough environment again. And uh, now, Now, the other side of that, though, let me give you the schedule for Dallas, though, because we've done a lot of this with the Vikings where we've said, well, they didn't really beat anyone. They beat this team. They beat this team, but who cares? Well, listen to these wins, though. New York twice, Washington, Miami and a really good win against Philadelphia 37 to 10. But those are the victories, the losses to New Orleans, Green Bay and the New York Jets, which is a horrific horrific loss for Dallas. I mean, they've kind of got the same thing going on here.
3: I agree 100%. And you have a quarterback number 1 that can't take care of the football, right? And you look at some of those losses and maybe like the Jets game, I mean, I think a lot of people want to forget about that. They're they're probably looking back like, dude, let's not even talk about that. But they didn't have both their tackles. But you look at this team, and the one thing that scares me about this team is the first play of the Giants game last week, I don't know if you saw it, the interception that he threw, it's like, dude, what are you looking at? And Antoine Bethea didn't even move. He stood there for like five seconds. You stared at him and threw the ball, and he just caught it and took off. Like, you can't make those decisions as a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry. Like They want to give the ball to Zeke as much as possible, and now you're really forcing them to. Like You're like, hey, listen, go ahead, give it to him some more. Like you, if you have to make the decisions that are tough, and yeah, you you crawled back and won the game, but there's still like you look at this, and as a defense, I'd be licking my chops, like dude, this kid's gonna put the ball on the ground. He's gonna make some bad decisions. We just need to capitalize as much as we can. So the last time
1: that the Vikings played against the Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys had an even better offensive line, or maybe just a little younger and a lot of the same faces.
3: No, it was better. Before, uh,
1: 2016, was better. they were yeah. Uh, I remember that game. Yeah. They were out, outstanding, outstanding offensive line. We were comparing yeah, them to 1992, right? So, Dude. um, and the Vikings still found a way to get pressure on Dak Prescott. And he, at that time, uh, he was having a magical rookie season, had his worst game to date. And, uh, that was a very, very tough loss. That was the Adam Thielen fumble yeah. on the punt and, and, uh, Thursday
3: night game. Yep.
1: Thursday night Briefer game. was the head coach. Color rush. Yes. That's right. That's right. Mike Brief. Yeah. I know, uh, someone asked him. this week about, Mike's, uh, to, to Mike Zimmer, what can you learn from the last time you played him? I was like, I don't think he was there. I think he was getting emergency eye surgery or something. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was a, a great battle and a tough loss for the Vikings. Um, but it sort of pointed to how they would play against Dak Prescott, that they would still be able to pressure him. They're maybe one of the few teams that has the caliber of defensive ends to still pressure him and potentially... Forced turnovers. I, I guess the, the bigger picture on this one, though, uh, because we'll get to that in the next segment, the bigger picture on this one, though, for me, is let's find out who's for real. Because right. you could look at both of these teams' winning records and say, you haven't really played anybody. Pff, you haven't really played anybody. You've lost your big games. You know, Dallas gets Green Bay at home. They fall apart. They get New Orleans on the road in a tight game. Teddy Bridgewater comes out on top and right. you get you know your tough losses and then both teams have kind of an embarrassing loss and then you've got your wins against your easy teams. So, it, I mean, you don't have to pick until the end what you think is going to happen here, but odds that either one makes the playoffs. Like, if I told you only one of these two teams made it, which one is it?
3: Oh, man. I would say the... I'd say... I would really have to say Dallas just because their division is trash. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really the only thing. Like, you look at these two teams, and when they're hot, man, they are hot. And when they have their defenses rolling, they are both really tough. But then you look at these like divisions that they're in. They have Washington, the Giants, uh, the Eagles, who are kind of up and down way too much. Mm-hmm. But then you look over here in the north, and you're like, dude, you still got to get through Green Bay. And, yeah, I mean – they put a huge goose egg out on the Chargers, but they're still leading the division, and they're yep. still really tough. And they—it's not like they just woke up one day and forgot how to play football. Did uh, Rodgers look
1: washed too in that game?
3: <laughs> Dude, I was like, I was waiting for the text <laughs> message from you, but I was like, any minute it's going to come. It, in. If
1: I hadn't been in KC, I didn't even I realize that happened busy. until well after the game because I was just focused on what I was doing. But then I, I did think. Hmm. Washington. McWashington looks pretty washed. Uh, <laughs> he did. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a break here. When we come back, offensive line versus defensive line. This one would be the true could be determined in the trenches. But yes. also, we need to discuss what is going on with both teams' receivers and health issues. Matthew Collar. Alex Boone, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North.
2: North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. Once again... That's NorthMemorial.com slash family.
3: They're physical enough. They, um,
4: we, just, we just, last week, we just didn't sustain the blocks long enough. That's all. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, and then sometimes you get away with it, sometimes you don't. And it, each game's a little bit different, you know, the guy you're going against.
1: Maybe an accidental self owned by saying it happens all the time. Uh, Matthew Collar and Mike Zimmer here, uh, not Mike Zimmer, that was Mike Zimmer, uh, Alex Boone here. Uh, now, what what is your takeaway from that? Because we spent um, some time talking about what he said pertaining to Kirk Cousins, where he criticized Cousins for giving away too much information in his post-game press conference, and then Cousins turbo-snarked a little about it yesterday. But when you say the offensive line wasn't sustaining their blocks long enough and things like that, Um, What is the response in the offensive line room?
3: I think it's honest. I think if you look at the film, it's an honest assessment. Mm-hmm. You know, and There's times when, as an offensive lineman, your coach will say something, and you're like, okay, well, that's the truth. Right. You've know, you just you got to take it and move on. And he's right. You've got to get into the blocks more. And this is one of the things that we talked about, I don't know, was it two weeks ago or whatever, but we had talked about the things we want to see moving forward. And one of the things is with this offensive line, being more physical at the point of attack. Yeah. I, I mean, you're talking about, you look at this Kansas City games, and you're like, man, it feels like Dalvin can't even get through the line of scrimmage. And then you really watch the game. And you see guys like going to cut, and I, you know, we joked about the crash pad the other day about cutting, the cutting (laughs) drills and the donuts. I'm watching these guys cut, and I'm like, man, they really need to hit the crash pad some more. Like, they, you can't just fall down in front of somebody, okay? This yes. isn't the lollygag. Movie. I know
1: exactly what play you're referring Thank to. Thank you. There's Elfline, this, yes. I, I actually sent it to Courtney, and I said, watch uh, watch Elfline and Garrett Bradbury just fall dude. down in front of guys, and then they make the tackle.
3: We think too much alike. It's insane, but it's so true because you're watching it, and you're like, dude, this is just a lazy effort. It's a lack of effort. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, There's a way to cut somebody, and then there's a way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, man, I'm just going to fall down. Throw a hand, I'm going to cut him real quick. And then there's like, hey, I'm going to take this dude's knee out, alright? So get the hell out of my way when I go to cut him. Because there's times when you have to get it done. And when you're running the zone, with Dalvin especially, when the cutback is so important, if you're going to let Dalvin cut it back, you need to get guys on the ground. You need to start cutting them. And in turn, what an offensive lineman never got about this was, the more you get a guy on the ground, the less likely you have a chance of him rushing over you Mm -hmm. right like him coming out of his stance after you've cut through his knees three or four times he's like dude seriously really bro you're like yeah this is a three-step i'm about to cut you again watch this and then he's like, is it really a three-step? Could it be a three-step? It's second and six. It could be a three-step. Like Then he's like, man, I don't know if I want to rush. There's so many games you have to play with people. But when you do it lazily or you just fall down, you give the defense the upper hand right away. And
1: that's supposed to be their strength because right. clearly standing in there and just stopping a guy one-on-one is not going to be their strength. I have a fun stat for you. So we went through this before what uh, Pro Football Focus graded you in 2016 They credited you for allowing 16 quarterback pressures. That was by their way of doing it, not, you know, your offensive line coach or whatever else uh, might be looked at, but that's how they did it. This year so far, both Pat Elfline and Garrett Bradbury have given up 20 and the season is not even close to over with 20 each, 40 total between those two. In 2016, you gave up 16. I mean, like, and, and. uh, right, I mean, this, and I this, sucked. Right? Yeah, no. Are, listen, they are be- to, not by the these metrics, is, but
3: yes. You no, know, but <laughs> the problem is when you don't see all these two because when you're watching the game, they always follow the ball, right? So these hits and these pressures, you don't see them. So you're like, "What are you talking about?" The guys played great, and then you watch the coaches film. You're like whoa, Right. Yes, wow, totally these guys, yep. they look a lot closer than this film than they do on TV. Right. Like on TV, it looks like they run around in the edge. But when you watch the coach's film and you see how close these dudes get, and if you think for one minute that a defensive end just runs right by the quarterback and doesn't say something or doesn't give him a little nudge or doesn't say something like, yo, bro, I'm one step away. I am one <laughs> step from just taking your life. You know how many times I used to hear people say that? I'm one step from taking your life. And I'd be like, dude, he's not. Don't worry. We're going to cut him before he gets close. Uh,
1: But with Kirk Cousins, they were one step away uh,
3: (laughs) on Sunday. Less than.
1: When I went back and watched it, Alex, the biggest thing that I came away with was... You have to understand if you're the Vikings that this is not a guy who's going to roll around when pressure comes up at the middle. He's not right. he's not gonna, you know, shuffle his feet beautifully like Tom Brady in the pocket away from the pressure. He's gonna get to his spot where he's supposed to be and he's gonna stop there and he's gonna right. stay there, which has some benefits, I'm sure. If you're a tackle, then you probably know you could push your guy by and he's not going to necessarily get to the quarterback if he's in his same spot. But if you're a guard or center and they're getting overpowered, that's why Kirk Cousins was thrown throwing off platforms so many times that's right. why you said wait why is he so inaccurate today why is he overthrowing guys on short passes well some of it's certainly his fault But the interior pressure was causing a lot of it, and that gets me to our matchups here. I think Mm -hmm. it really starts with Malik Collins in the middle, who is a beast of a player. He's got 27 pressures this year. Demarcus Lawrence as well. If these guys pressure Cousins on the road in prime time, we know what the result is going to be. But I don't know what the counterpunch is supposed to be for the Vikings when, just personnel-wise, Line and Bradbury cannot handle powerful people who can push them back into
3: the quarterback. Dude, did you just skip over Michael Bennett, too? <laughs> like, I know. That's right. now. And Robert Quinn? And Robert Quinn? Yeah. Like, wait a minute. If you look at this D-line, and I, or maybe I haven't been just watching Dallas, or maybe because they lost to the Jets, I was like, I have to write this team off for a while. But if you look at their D-line over the last, like, four or five weeks, they have added some players that you're like, wait a minute, stop. Michael, we need to, really, yeah. we need to rethink Bennett's six this. pressures in his first game and a sack. We need to rethink this, especially mm-hmm. when you have Mike over there. Because let me tell you about Mike. This is the most undisciplined player. And when I say that, I don't mean he is like the worst player. I mean, this dude can slither in ways I've never seen a human move. Like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I used to hate blocking him, but I can proudly say that Mike and I had some seriously fun battles. And I always took the upper hand on him, but this dude is so erratic with his movements that you don't know which way he's going and when he's thinking he's going somewhere. We used to have to have whole new protections called on because of him because he would, he would line up outside the tackle, and right before the snap, he was head up over the center. And you were like, wait a minute, where's he going? <laughs> How'd you get there? What is, and then, oh, and then as an offensive lineman, you're like, wait a minute, the tackle can't just go down to the center. Like, whose responsibility does that become? So now you have a floater, right? And you're like, oh my God, where's he going? What's he doing? Who has control of him? You know, are we cutting him? Michael Bennett is one of those guys that you better have your eyes on. And not only that, but then you add Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, and Malik, dude. I'm telling you, Malik Collins in the middle. We played him in 2016. That dude was good. I know he's had some down years, but he is still as quick twitch as he has ever been. This... And you, t- you, These guys are playing hot right now, and the defense knows that they are kind of the, a lot of the reason why they're playing so hot. is because these dudes are so on fire with the way they play. Right. This is a pretty severe
1: mismatch, again, when you look at the, just the talent that Dallas has on their defensive line
3: versus an answer,
1: the, the Vikings. Okay, well, that that's what I'm curious yes. in. What's the answer? Yes.
3: Okay, so here, we used to do this protection, and and I have kind of put two protections together. But we said this protection was called Mustang protection. And it was important because it was when the three guys in the middle, the interior core, always stuck together. And basically what you did was you just hold everything. And it was like – Okay, whoever's in front of you automatically becomes the mic. And then from there, you say you three have the two defensive tackles and the mic, no matter what happens. Now, you just better hope that they don't start blitzing the mic around the edge because then your center has to pick a side. You want him to just sit in the middle and do what he can. But you have two running backs in the backfield. And what they used to do is they would take the Sam and the Will because, you know, every once in a while, teams just drop you all the time. And so they would just get late releases, but they would help the tackles on the way out or they would help the guards on the way out. Like, there was protection that you could put in against teams, especially a team like this that's going to put their four best rushers out there, then they're going to put Jalen Smith in the middle, right over your center, and make you go 5-0. They're going to force you to do things you don't want to do, so when they do something like that, turn everything into a full slide. Listen, the minute somebody walks up over the center, the minute something becomes, we're not sure where we're going, the minute they're trying to get us on an island, we're going to full slide everybody to the left or to the right, and... Listen, the running back stays in. I get it. Some coaches think that's terrible because they're like, that's your best answer. Like Mm -hmm. if pressure comes that you can't respond to, you have to have your running back running in the flat because that's the guy that you're going to get the ball to. Uh, Sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes he's got to stay in and help two guys. I'm sorry, but, dude, this is where Irv Smith Jr. is going to show up huge this week, I think. And this is they're going to need him to because if Thielen really can't play, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, dude, they're going to be trying as much as they can to stop the run, right? And after that, it's going to be stop digs. We, and after that, hey, listen, if your tight end goes all willy nilly on us, we'll let our linebackers do the best they can. Well, that's
1: you're leading me exactly where I wanted to go next, which was to. Amari Cooper might not play in this one. Adam Thielen, I think, is very unlikely. After seeing him today, he wasn't doing anything, he was completely out of practice, just standing there and watching them go through drills. And now you're going to rely again on B.C. Johnson and you're going to rely again on Irv Smith. And every time they've had to rely on those guys, they've stepped up. B.C. Johnson caught a touchdown down the middle of the field. uh, A great catch by Irv Smith. And... I'm very interested to see whether Dallas copies some of the we're going to play too deep safety stuff that Kansas City did and say let's rely on our defensive line being more talented than their offensive line and make sure that Stephon Diggs doesn't get behind us. I thought Kansas City did an incredibly good job, but that to me opens up the possibility of Irv Smith in the middle of the field.
3: Right. Well, yeah, and he's going to be huge this game. I mean, him and, and Rudy, and like you said, B.C., I mean, it's going to be all the guys that are new. And the and Dallas, Rod Marinelli, he's an old coach. He's a tough coach. And you talk about Chris Richard coming from Seattle, like the Legion of Boom. This dude's trying to fix everything he can. If there's yards to be had, it's going to be with B.C. Johnson and Irv Smith Jr. They're going to be like, you know what? Let your two young guys try and beat us. And if they can, then that'll be the way it goes. All right, let's take a break. Let's
1: come back. Let's continue the conversation. I want to... Uh, ask you about this coaching matchup. These are two rarities in the NFL. Jason Garrett, Mike Zimmer, two guys that have long tenures as head coaches in a league where if you have one down year, they usually fire you. Let's talk about them in this matchup and their futures as well. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, you're listening to Purple Daily, here on Score North.
2: Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative federated mutual insurance company it's our business to protect yours
0: jonathan here with the score north download you can listen to score north with amazon alexa just say alexa open score north and you'll hear the soothing sounds of purple daily Mackie and judd with rami and much much more just say alexa open score north corning croning 20 Tweeting out the most recent injury report put out by the Vikings. Adam Thielen, obviously on there with a the hamstring. Trey Wayne's on there, ankle not injury related, and Linval Joseph with a knee. It did not Yeah, what press the us. hell? That seems out of nowhere. Right? What's the deal? I don't know. This is uh, a very, Here's the one very strange very strange.
1: I was there and uh a very odd injury report for um Trey Wayne says ankle slash not injury related. Like, What's that mean? Which is it?
3: Okay, what's it? Pick one.
0: Uh, I mean, it's the right ankle so and it, left is not injury. related He
1: was limited. Were you done or did I, no?
0: Did no. you need to say anything else? That's when you're scoring on you, download Now back to Purple okay. Daily. Thank That's you. That's
1: about it. Um, Damn. Trey Wayne's was <laughs> limited on Wednesday, so maybe he was limited with an ankle and not injury related with something else. And uh, Linval Joseph not practicing though that is a big problem. Because the Vikings are going against one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, give me your analysis before we get to Zimmer and Jason Garrett of the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. How good is
3: it? I'm going to tell you right now where Mike Zimmer is going to go for, and it. it's going to be over the left guard. And that's really, I mean, if you think about it, this O line they're really well put together, and they they do from right tackle to right guard to center to left tackle, they are. Some of the top at their field. I think Tyron Smith personally is getting a little old. I think at times he gets called for holding, and sometimes they really let him go with it. But if you're going to go anywhere, it's going to be over this left guard and Connor Williams. This dude, this this young kid, he has been getting torched this year. And personally, it, he doesn't seem like he kind of fits in this group. Like everybody's on the same page except for him. Like he's either always too deep or too far up. Like he's never on the same plane with Tyron. And I never know why. Like I'm like, dude, you guys always play together so well, but they don't switch off, twists well. And he seems to be the kind of Achilles heel of this offensive line. He was supposed to be a tackle, really right? Coming yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, From I, Texas.
1: I remember having him on the list of guys to watch. Um, for the Vikings, who clearly are always in need of more offensive linemen. And I liked him at Texas. He was kind of a brawler a little bit, and they talked about him as if he could be somebody who starts for a long time in the NFL at tackle, but clearly with this team, that, that wasn't really in the cards. Um, Travis Frederick is coming back from a crazy injury that kept him out last crazy. year. And, uh, you know, if he's not facing off with Linval Joseph, then that could be a huge advantage for Dallas in that matchup. And I really like what Lael Collins has become in the NFL. Is he going he... oh, to play? Oh, yeah. To, they're
3: both limited. I saw that, but yeah. they're going to play. Um, um, and dude, Zach, Zach Martin Martin's is a, is a monster. Oh, how about, dude? How about they try to trade Jamal Adams for Zach Martin straight up, dude? If I'm Zach Martin, I kind of got a crooked smile, like that's right. Yeah, they tried to trade a safety for me, but it was. <laughs> it's also
1: like that's going to be a no for me, dog. Like I <laughs> no, mean, Jamal
3: Adams is good, but not for this. Not guy. even close. Um, not even close. No, yeah, they're huge, dude. And then, you're, like you said, if you don't have Linval in the middle, really anchoring down Zach Martin and Travis Frederick, keeping those linebackers safe, dude, it could be really dangerous. Especially because Zeke's one of these guys. He is built just like Dalvin. Get me through the line of and I will have people bouncing off of me or I will run by people.
1: Um, So I I want to ask you about these two head coaches because it's fascinating to me how coaches come in. They say, whatever your last coach did, he was stupid and wrong and terrible. And then they get fired in a year or something too, right? Like look at Adam Gase. I mean, he comes in. From the very first press conference, uh, there's a tweet somewhere from me that says, Why don't you just fire him today? Like after that, like after his eyes are going all bazonkers around the, the room. Like, terrible. what's going on here? Terrible. Like, just, what is this? This is such a bad look for you. You should just say, You know what? He's got a medical condition. We need to hire somebody else. Um, <laughs> And uh, so you see this all the time, right? Arizona, they hire their coach. Yeah, we've got our guy, Stevie Wilkes, and then see ya, Stevie. Uh, But Zimmer and Jason Garrett have been able to sustain their success for long enough and keep their jobs. What is it about these two coaches in your mind, Alex, that kind of puts them up in that upper echelon of only the Belichicks, the Mike Tomlins, the guys who keep their jobs for a long time? Mm
3: You know, to be honest with you, with Zimmer, we obviously know why he has his job. He has one of the best defenses year in and year out, and he consistently gets them to play well. Now there, you know, there are times that they struggle, but for the most part, he has them on track, and they are always feared. You know, when you look at a Jason Garrett, you know, I'm not really sure why he's had his job for so long. I think a lot of it is that Jerry just really likes him, and yeah. I think that it's because Jerry can put his finger on him and be like, "Yo, dude, this is how we're going to do it this week. We're going to run power 45 times." Jason's like, "Did you guys hear that? Okay, write it down. We're good." <laughs> Got it. Thanks, Jerry. We're moving along now. Like, you, there's, you're looking back at this guy's resume, like, really? What has he done? He's won two playoff games in like, how many years? He's been to the playoffs how many times in how many years? And you've had some really good teams, some really good teams. So what has gone wrong? Like, I don't understand why he still has a job. And I get that, like, this is the year for him to. If you don't do it this year, dude, we're moving on from you.
1: Yeah, I think that it's that they've always been at the doorstep, which kind of does remind you in a lot of ways of the Vikings that either have a team that's expected to go compete for a Super Bowl or gets very, very close to that in the playoffs in 2015, the NFC Championship in 2017. And you look at Jason Garrett's time there with Tony Romo. Getting a 12 and four season, then with Dak Prescott, a 13 and three season. And there's always reason to believe, I mean, their, their last four seasons, 13 and three, nine and seven, 10 and six, and now five and three. And they had the one really down year with Romo getting hurt and Matt Castle ends up being their leading passer, which there's a Mm. trivia question for you. Uh, but the year before that, they're 12 and four. And yeah, they haven't gone very far in the playoffs. Part of that is. Um, you know, it was a catch by Des Bryant. That would Was be, it though?
3: Yes. Was it? Yes. Do we know? Do yes. we even know what a catch is? I
1: know what a catch is. That was I'm a catch. I'm not sure I do. I think I I'm do. Sorry. I, now I'm be I that do. Fan. I, I'm going to be at, that fan. At that time, I didn't, but I think they've gotten it right now. But I know that was a catch. Uh, I think it's because it's the same sort of story with these two teams where. It's their playmakers and maybe a defense that gets you there so close. And then you don't quite have the quarterback play, whether it was right. Romo or whether it's Dak Prescott or whether it's, you know, Case Keenum or Kirk Cousins to quite get you in that upper echelon of, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're, we're going to get over that hump. But I think both of these coaches are two of the best. I, I don't think it's just because Jerry Jones feels like he can tell him to do whatever he wants. I mean, they've been just since 2013, oddly, fifth in scoring four different times, and uh, you know some middling years in there as well, of course, the Matt Castle year. But um, I I, I just think that it's kind of like these two guys looking in the mirror a little bit, Jason Garrett being the offensive guy, Mike Zimmer being in the defensive area, but the same sort of category of eventually one of them I feel like has to break through, but I don't know if they'll get fired before that.
3: Uh, That's a tough question. I mean, I think that when you're looking, and if you look statistically this year, dude, Dallas is on point. Like They have been putting up a ton of yards Mm -hmm. and doing some things, but they're just careless with the football. And sometimes you're looking at the coach and you're like, man, what? What's gone wrong? A lot of it is the execution of things. You know, you make dumb decisions. You're dealing with sometimes a young quarterback that you're like, dude, Whitson, we have to go through these rough years. Or you're dealing with a veteran quarterback and you just can't get hitting on stride. You know, it's just, there's so many. I understand, like, as being a player, I can understand now why coaches keep their job. Like, sometimes I mess around and I say, Jerry has his finger on the team. Jason Garrett is a great offensive minded coach. He puts up some great numbers. He does some great things. I think that. Eventually though, Jerry looks back and he goes, Listen, we've had this run for long enough and we haven't gotten to where we even need to be. Like we haven't even gotten far enough into the playoffs that we should be there. We have some of the we have one of the best running backs in the NFL. We have one of the most electrifying quarterbacks in the NFL. We have some of the best receivers in the NFL. Like we have one of the top defenses. And yet we're still at the same place every mm-hmm. year, first or second round. Like, dude, you should be holding the NFC championship every year in that Jerry's world. That's what you should be doing realistically. So he looks back and he goes, look, man, I'm sorry. We've tried too long, too hard. We have to eventually move on and truck cut ties. And that's when I'm not sure that Kellen Moore doesn't go, hey, Jerry, I can really take this boat. to Mm, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Because you look at this year and a lot of their struggles are because of Dak, because he's careless with the ball. And that is easily fixable. You just need to keep working with him. And I think that that's something that takes time and a lot of patience. But – I think that Kellen Moore, if they do move on from Jason Garrett, is going to step, either him or Chris Richard is going to step right into that spotlight, and it's going to be fun to watch that.
1: Okay, before we wrap up the segment and go to Hot Routes, let me give you a Hot Routes-style question about Jason Garrett and Mike Zimmer. Tell me which one gets fired first, because eventually everyone gets fired, and which one is more likely to be in the NFC Championship this year?
3: Um... Man, Mm, questions that are tough. That's tough because you know you look. I mean, like a lot of it depends. Both
1: Mm, sounds like you're not answering. That's what (laughs) I'm hearing right now.
3: I know there's so many variables running through my head right now that I'm like, man, I don't really want to mess this up. But I think that Jason Garrett will be the first one to get fired. And I think that if you're hosting, if you're going to go to the NFC Championship this year, I think it's the Vikings. I think that Dalvin is something that's so special. I think that Kirk Cousins and him and you get Thielen back and you know, this defense is gonna find its way. And to me, honestly that's what I believe. I think the only reason that I would pick Dallas,
1: I don't think it's because of the strength of their roster. I just think it's because if I've got a big game, I would trust Dak more than Kirk. I think that would be that's
3: fair. He does have the most Primetime wins.
1: And then you'll end up pointing to the to the coach, to the head right, but
3: coach. You know what the both you know what worries me about both teams is their road records. And you're looking at the teams like, dude, are you for real with this? Yeah, if you go to like, the Jets and lose, yikes. Dude, are you kidding me with this? Yeah. They went down to Miami and lost. Like, dude, you cannot be for real right now. And then you turn around and you look at Minnesota, and you're like, Kansas City with Matt Moore? Dude, mm-hmm. I get it. They have a really smart offensive coordinator. But you should have killed that defense with running the ball. You should have just given them everything they didn't want and you played into their game like like it just bothers me and then you look and you're like who's going to go farther in the playoffs and you're like dude look at some of the teams above them mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's a tough predictor man because I don't think that either of these teams right now are going to get very far with the teams that are standing above them Judd Zolgad's going to join
1: for hot routes when we return Matthew Collar Alex Boone you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios TCL America's
2: fastest growing TV brand
3: it's Purple Daily
0: Caller has questions
3: Blue 58! Blue
0: 58! Go! And he wants your answers
3: Street, Red, red, red! Red poly! Blue poncho
0: In rapid fire fashion
3: Gun flex right
4: stack 394 dragon smoke
0: It's Hot routes on Purple Daily 980! 397! Right,
1: All right, it is that time again, 3 o'clock. We've got important questions to ask around the NFL with a twist Mm. and sometimes a Vikings connection. And Alex Boone loves Hot Routes so much that he created the first Hot route of the day. So let's get right into it. Judd Zelgad is here as well. Jonathan Harrison, producing as always. It's
4: always great to hear you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. You too. Likewise. All right, wasting
1: no time here. Uh, Alex Boone sent us this email this morning or yesterday, whenever it was. said he wants to hear what position room we would love to be a part of. Okay, so say a team's offensive line room, a team's receivers, DBs. And this is based on an article about the 2016 Patriots room, which had Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jacoby Brissett, who are combined... Let's see, 16, 22, and 2 this year as starters. So, Alex, you came up with the question. Why don't you begin with the answer? Which room would you Dude, like to be a part of?
3: I had a million rooms I was a part of. I loved all the rooms I was a part of. I don't I don't think I could pick one. I wouldn't do that to anybody. I, but how I, about I, now?
1: How about if you could pick one to be a part of now? Uh, so I, Not
3: your I, own. I thought about one. If I could have been a part of one, I've always wanted to know what it was like to be in Brett Favre's and Aaron Rodgers' room at the same time. Like when they did the crossover, kind of. Because they were (laughs) both. Awkward would be the answer, I think. No, no, no. They're both goofballs. I guarantee you they made each other laugh in that room. And they played it off to the media, however people saw it or whatever they thought. There's no way those two guys riffed. I don't believe that. Wow, I do. (laughs) Wow, that's really interesting. Okay, they're both. They're. They're both. I mean, I get it. Like Brett's upset, but I still think that they would still have had a really. Yeah, that's a lot of time. But Brett hated. Brett hated Ted probably more than Aaron. Mm,
4: For Thompson for for drafting drafting him. him. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He blamed. He didn't help Aaron necessarily, but I don't think he blamed him.
3: No, I don't think he would have.
4: Judd. All right. So we got this question last night and i was like i have to think on this yeah it's alex boone asking me this question this is awesome right it's extra pressure and so i so i slept on this question and it came to me this morning because nothing no answer out of bounds so i was thinking okay what room what room what room 1970s oakland raiders defensive back room with jack tatum and george atkinson Ooh. Where they Jack must have him. methodically planned out how they were going to absolutely blow up receivers on a weekly basis with all the stick'em, with all the
3: I <laughs> I mean it must have just been brutal. <laughs> he said with all the stick'em. So I Jack Tatum, stick
4: 'em, baby.
1: I was thinking along the similar lines of who were the most vicious players I could come up with, and then I would just want to be a part of that. And I was thinking early 90s Pittsburgh Steelers linebackers. You know, they played the 3-4, and they'd have four of them out there. And you'd have, like, Jason Gilden and LeVon Kirkland. Kirkland. Kevin, Kevin Green was there for a while. LeVon oh, Kirkland, great. the oh last gosh. 300-pound middle linebacker, yes. LeVon yes. Kirkland. And wow. that group would have been pretty vicious. And I also thought, too, of just in terms of teams that, it didn't necessarily win a super bowl or anything but would have been awesome the first version of the carolina panthers like i think it would have been really cool to be in the room with sam mills who's one of my all-time favorite players and just like a team that is an expansion team in the nfl like how rare and strange and weird that was to have new teams joining the nfl um, that must have been really cool to have them win and go to the nfc championship
3: so that was oh, kind of sure. deep can, can we just say that it was it- Back in the day was so much better rooms. like, Because you hear the old guys talk about the rooms. They'd be like, dude, after training camp, we used to all go in a room and just drink beers and watch film. You'd be like, wait, what? They didn't leave like, yeah. too, Alex. Dude, they were like, dude, we no loved free agency. It. No, they were like, we were here and people loved us and they bring us beers and training <laughs> <Yes. laughs> camp. You were like, wait oh, a yeah. minute. You are like, wait, what? They start telling you stories about like Kevin Gogan and you were like, wait a minute, what? You could do that back then? They were like, dude, there's no cell phones. Nobody told on anybody. You were like, God. She's lived the life.
1: Or as John Madden called them, big old Kevin Gogan. Every time he Jerry played, Gogan. he called him big
0: old Kevin Gogan. How about Any you, John? Room with
3: Gogan. Yes.
0: <laughs> I've got two of them from Vikings past. Either three deep. You got Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and Jake Reed. Just figure. Just listening to them, figure out how they're going to just obliterate opposing defensive backs every week. Or go back old-school Vikings, Purple people the leader's mm. locker room. Mm. Or, mm-hmm. That would be fun.
1: Talk a little politics with Alan Page inside the room. <laughs> oh, I don't cool. think they had that problem at the time. <laughs> nah. Um, okay, next uh, hot route here. The Seahawks say that they are ready to embrace their new buddy, Josh Gordon, who is an incredibly talented player, but when the Patriots release you, you really raise an eyebrow. Um, I think he's one of the most talented players I've ever seen who just could not get it together off the field. I want you guys to give me a player that you badly wanted to see succeed, but off the field, personality stuff got in the
4: way. Why don't you start, Judd? All right, so I I gave this uh, great thought and decided I was going to pick a player who I covered, who was tremendously talented. And it's not that this guy had no career, because his career got off to a tremendous start, but he always sabotaged himself. I'm going with Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin was such a tremendous talent, and in 2009, and you know, okay, he smoked dope, who cares? 2009, he was absolutely fantastic, but then the migraines became a problem, and he would Mm -hmm. disappear, and then he couldn't play, and then he couldn't practice, and then he couldn't play. If Percy Harvin had just applied himself completely, let's say, for six to eight years, this guy was off the charts, so Percy Harvin's my choice. He was so tough, too.
3: Like, oh, dude, that, yeah. Oh my, like, dudes would bounce off of him. Yep. Like, God, talk about a receiver that I remember D backs like, dude, just anybody but him. Yep. I will take anybody but that guy with the ball. And I was like, really? They're like, he will crush you. Wow. How about you, Alex? Alden Smith, without question. Yeah. I mean, Kevin played with this guy. I remember in practice, he was so hard to block. And he was another one, like Michael Bennett, that just slithery and could so strong in an unpowerful angle, like could pick you off the ground. You'd be like, dude, this is not right. And he'd be like laughing. You'd be like, dude, this is not right. And he would just come in and terrorize people. But, man, off the field, this dude was – We and we knew a lot of the problems. We were trying to help him so much. I think a lot of people really did try to help Alden. And it, it hurt a lot of people because there was so much given to Alden that was like, please, just don't ruin this. And he did, and it's a shame what happened. Mm-hmm. Mine would be a
0: Viking offensive lineman from I guess the mid two thousands. Brian McKinney, he was good. Ooh. Don't get me wrong, but if he had folk, if he had cared about football, it just seemed like he didn't like football. He just he was six eight and three hundred fifty pounds. He liked to so party though, he could be yes. a really good left tackle. But if he was really committed to playing football, just imagine how good he could
3: have been. He could Hall have surpassed Walster Wal- Jones for sure. Yep, yeah. he could have been the next greatest offensive lineman in the history of the league because he was so big and he could have been so dominant but you're right he just didn't apply himself so in 2006
1: Vince Young led four fourth quarter comebacks five game winning drives went eight and five in his rookie year and looked like he could be one of the most fun and dynamic players. He ran for over 500 yards, seven touchdowns that year, coming off of what he did beating USC in the championship game, which is still and will always be one of the great football games in the history of the sport. I was all in on Vince Young being a great NFL quarterback, and and I love to root for guys who are great athletes, did it a little differently than everybody else. And it fell apart. I mean, his first two seasons, he was good. Uh, It wasn't perfect, but he made the Pro Bowl in one of them. He won a lot of football games. And then it just seemed to go sideways. He disappeared at one point. Uh, I think it's become pretty clear in his post-career that he had a problem with alcohol. I'm not sure he really understood... How much he needed to put an effort into the game, like mentally, like focus yeah. on film and things like that. I think he just, Marcus Russell, same thing. Yeah, I think yep. he, I think Vince Young thought he could just go out there and kind of run around, which only Rise worked it, for uh, for so long. And that was sad that he didn't fulfill his potential. He went. Think about this. I mean, a guy who was not giving it everything he needed to give still went thirty-one and nineteen as a starter in the NFL and thirty and seventeen with Tennessee. So an unfortunate career for Vince Young that never really lived up to what it was supposed to. Uh, next question for you guys. So Dan Quinn was asked about these final games of the season, and he says, you know what? I'm looking at it like a new season, boys. An eight-game season. <laughs> yep. Well, congratulations, Dan Quinn, and good luck with that, my friend. He's gone. We know that. Um, but I-, I want you guys to tell me how many other coaches get fired this year. What do you
3: think, Alex? All right, so I'm going to give you two that I think get fired before the end of the year. Are you ready? I yep. am ready. Yep. I think that Freddie Kitchens and I think that Adam Gase. I think that wow. when you talk about Freddie Kitchens, you talk about a coach that came in and even I was like all about it. But dude, the dysfunction on this team right now is incredible. And you're two and six, and I don't care what anybody says, that roster is stacked. And you just got Kareem Hunt back. Like I get that. But if you don't start winning another game, like if you don't win this week, dude, if it, it, they cannot they where are we playing for? Like, there's too much going on. There's too much just fun. No one's like grabbing the rings. And in New York, like, there was so much invested in Adam Gates and I think that the way that the season started killed that team. Absolutely blame Adam Gase for that. I don't care what anybody says. The minute you talk about a player's contract to the media, you have disrespected the entire locker room. I don't care what anyone says. I've been in that locker room. Money was never to be talked about between players, between coaches, between players and coaches. It's not your business. It's not my damn business. It's certainly not anybody outside this room's business. So when you start doing things like that, the team goes, okay. That's cool. You want to be like that? We'll be like this. And I don't think they're responding well to him. I think that they've kind of given like a resistance and a pushback, and there's been too many issues. I've got
4: I've got gays as well. I think it's just a a complete dumpster fire. The Jets are a complete joke. And and my fear there is that Sam Darnold is actively being ruined and sabotaged, Mm, which is a shame because in 10 years we'll be like, Sam Darnold could have been good except for he was stuck with the Jets. (laughs) I I think your guy uh, on Black Monday, Doug Marone, is fired as the Jacksonville coach. I think Black Monday also costs uh, Pat Shermer his job. The two teams in New York are a joke. Bill Callahan, interim coach in Washington, also gets let go. I don't think Kitchen gets fired, and here's why. John Dorsey hired him. If John Dorsey pulls the plug this quickly, John Dorsey's basically saying, boy, did I screw up. So, I mean, dude, have you not
3: already proven that with a two and six I, record? I know, and but you know pride, Alex. Them. You no, know the pride I'm, of these guys. Listen, I'm telling you, you were crowned the AFC North champions. They didn't even like have to say Super Bowl. They just said you're for sure gonna win the North and you're in like third place, behind a backup quarterback of the yeah. Steelers. Dude, I'm telling you, if you don't win another game this week, you're done. They cannot sit around and pay these guys this much money and be like, yeah, we're just a dumpster fire. It doesn't work like that anymore. Any of those you disagree with, Jonathan?
0: No, I'm kind of in on all those. Jets, Dolphins, Browns, Giants, and Falcons. I think all those guys are gone. There's one that, there's one that you guys haven't mentioned. There's one more. There's an I elephant
4: think... in the room.
1: Elephant and an in room. Alex Boone's house oh, as well. I, I, th- I think I know where you're talking. Oh, no, I wasn't even talking about Mike Zimmer. I was talking about Matt Nagy. No. Oh, I was talking about Matt oh. Patricia. Oh, I don't think he gets oh, fired. Matt Patricia. Yeah, I was talking about it's Matt Possible.
4: Patricia. You don't think Matt Nagy gets fired? No, no, no,
3: no, no. no. I think no, Trubisky. No. no, in fact, I blame it on Trubisky. I think
4: Ryan Pace. He's in trouble. Might be
3: in trouble. <laughs> and deserves you it to be. Well, yeah, he he deserves Idiot, idiot be. drafted it Well you let go of Jordan Howard too. Like yeah. you letting go pieces when you were like, no, 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 you need that piece. You're gonna want to yep. keep that for later.
1: I like the way that you always sort of categorize it, Judd, of first guess or second guess. Yeah. Like did something go wrong and we second guess it because it didn't work out. Say like trading for Sam Bradford. Like good idea mm-hmm. to save your potential season. It didn't work out but the we way never you heard. But it was a good them. idea, and you don't deserve to be criticized for that. That Correct. was the right move at the time. It just, his knee fell apart in that second year where maybe he goes 13-3-2 and, and you have even a better chance in Philly. Who knows? Uh, but with taking Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes, that was first guess by pretty much anyone who has ever watched Deshaun Watson play football. (laughs) Now Mahomes I could get it because it was a cluster bleep of an offense. They were putting up 70 points but they were giving up 70. He was throwing off his back foot like crazy and doing all these things that you wouldn't necessarily say, oh yeah, well that guy's going to fit into an NFL structure. I could see where those questions would have been. But Deshaun Watson, I mean A-plus character, you
3: beat National oh, champion. Man, yeah, I was like, say he did everything. Wasn't, hey, wasn't it literally like, a, one-year he he yeah, like not not only a one year starter team? He was. Yeah, Not even a year like dude, you can't rest a second pick in the draft on a one day. Wow, that was ballsy. It, 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 it worked out for a year, but not not anymore. And go
1: back and check his bowl game that year, too. He completely wow. fell apart. It's like, Why did they think that this guy was was the man when he really should have been like a second-round pick? Hey,
3: they did San Francisco a favor, though. Because think about it. What if San Fran had drafted Mr. Biscay? There was no way they'd be where they are right no, now.
1: No, definitely no, definitely not. No chance. Uh, my final question here. Former receiver Hunter Renfro doing pretty well. <laughs> Former Clemson receiver, I mean. Uh, doing pretty well in Oakland. And the joke about him is when he was at the Senior Bowl, it was like, do you mean senior in college or like senior citizen? Right? Because he looks old for a young guy. Get it, everyone? Uh, He looks like he's 40 years old and has a dad bod for like a 24-year-old receiver. He said that just because he doesn't look like he should be in the NFL doesn't matter. He has proved he belongs. I want you guys to give me your favorite player who did not look like they should have been an NFL player, but they
4: were good.
3: Um, Judd, you go first. All
4: right, uh, I'm going to go with, with a guy who not only didn't look like an NFL player to me, but he looked like he had no business playing his position because these guys are ordinarily charismatic, great-looking human beings. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck. <laughs> that, that was your pick, Jonathan. Yes, Andrew Luck. I mean, how did you look at? Does not look like a. Would you have ever looked? He's at, a great athlete. Uh, he is, but I never like six four. No, I know, but wow. when I looked at his Stout. face. Listen to, Listen to his voice. voice. I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I never... Like, quarterbacks are ordinarily... Ordinarily, they can be smooth. And Christian Ponder came off as sort of smooth and suave and a decent-looking guy and was terrible at the job. But Andrew Luck, to me, was always the one that I was like, Really? And he's super good. Or he was super
3: good. He was. Amazing. All
1: right, how about uh, you, Alex? Were you ever in a locker room and you looked across and went,
3: "What Dude, is this guy?" Check your phone right now. You need to check your phone because uh, I sent you a picture. I saw it. I saw All it. Right. It's
4: great. And you probably and you probably saw a lot of a lot of people oh, that didn't look like athletes. <laughs> Dude, my guess is
3: you saw too much, too much of them. Like the, I sent, I sent you guys an <laughs> email too. You need to check your email because I sent you an email. But it, there's a bunch of people that I'm not going to name that I was. Just, oh, oh come ISR, I am sorry, Alex. Can't. No, 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 no. But I will say Kilgore because he had gray hair the first day I met him, and he was a rookie. And I was like, "Yo, dude, how old are you?" He's like, "Man, I'm I'm 22. It's a, it's the gray hair. I know it's it it gets everybody. Don't worry about it." I was like, "What? What the <laughs> hell did he just say?" Oh my god! And we ended up being roommates. It was great. I loved him.
0: Great do, you got,
1: do you got any other nominations,
3: Jonathan?
0: No. Yeah, I, I was so focused on Andrew Luck, I didn't think Judd would pick him. But yeah, Andrew Luck just does not look like a quarterback, let alone a really, really good one. Um. So, I mean, there are plenty of
1: kickers who I've seen that are uh, rather on the small side. I was going to go the opposite, like the other way around, where if you told me... No, not Vince Wilford. (laughs) You look like a football player. But if if you told me the guy was a kicker, I'd be like, no way. Ryan Lindell, do you remember him? Yeah. He was 6'4, like 230 pounds. He looked like a linebacker and he was a kicker. I thought you were going with Seabass. And, and I was going to go, That's a good one. Well, I was also going to go with Seabass and C-Bass. with the current Vikings punter, Britton Colquitt, who is shredded. Yeah. And he looks like he should be surfing somewhere, not punting. Yeah. Like, wait, when did punters get this freaking jacked?
3: Every day. Dude, they're intense. <laughs> they are no, seriously I'm not getting jacked you. now. Punters, Why? long snappers, and kickers because they don't do anything all day, so they're just in the gym. I used to walk by the gym all the time, and like you go to lunch and they're in the gym. You come back from lunch, they're in the gym. And like, what do you guys do all day? They're like, dude, literally, we kick for five minutes and we're just in here. And then you know what else used <laughs> oh, to bother great. me? I'm not going to name names because I love this guy way too much. But every day I used to see one of my punters in there swinging his golf club, and I'd be like, dude, what's up? He'd be like, two times at one o'clock. I'd be like, dude,
4: this is Hold wrong. On. 49ers punters. I'm going to him right
3: now. <laughs> not even a 49ers, dude. Hmm. That or so Arizona, Arizona? Who is the Arizona punter with you? All right, um, hold
4: on. That's that's too good a story tell. us okay. the name. well, no, 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 no.
3: it was it. it was incredible though. You get so pissed at these guys. They're like, dude, the golf swing's incredible because all just, <laughs> they just work on it. You're like, I hate you guys. They're like, yeah, go enjoy your big beefy heads and they make me <laughs> so bad. All right, dude, I guess, whatever.
1: Now, if you're but if you're a punter and you can't talk trash, you're probably oh, going no, to struggle, can't. right? No, like, they you can't. Have
3: to. Yeah, um, no, that, you talk trash. Uh,
1: yeah, that's right, because you're going to get it quite a bit. I was also going to mention Sean Hill. Like, Oh, and, yeah. Sean <laughs> Hill. Yeah, that's a good one. That's terrible. <laughs> I love Sean. He was great. Uh, I don't think I've ever told you the several Sean Hill stories that I have, but the one was when I walked up to Sean Hill and said, hey, man, I was hoping I could ask you a question. I need a quarterback's perspective. And he said, Taylor Heineke's sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, Dude. But, but I said, "I need one who's played." And Taylor Heineke looked at me like, "What the hell, man?" I'm like, "Hey, it's the truth." And then he <laughs> Look gave at me, you trash talking. Yeah. I know, right? There's a press conference the other day of me talk, uh, trash talking Stefan Diggs, who was trying to interrupt my great question to Delvin Cook. So I, I can get after it a bit. Uh, oh, but sh- there. but Sean Hill though, Sean Hill, when <laughs> you'd be in the locker, he would be like. That is the dad bodiest dad bod For I have ever sure. seen. And oh, then yeah. the great part about Sean Hill is like, you think about how many human beings try to play quarterback. Like, how many kids are like, Dad, get me a quarterback coach so I can win the starting job in my high school squad, or somebody who's like a D1, great athlete, runs a 4 6 or something, gets to the NFL. He's just garbage. He has no chance whatsoever. And here's Sean Hill burning heaters in between film <laughs> sessions and just looking like, Len Dawson, man. Dawson. And, it's Len Dawson. Smoking a awesome. of halftime and, of Super Bowl. And Sean Hill gets thrown out there. First game, 2016. And he's Damn, throwing, right he did. throwing check downs and things like this. And you're <laughs> yes, like, okay, Sean Hill, Sean Hill, whatever. And then he drops back. Stephon Diggs goes deep. And he launches the most beautiful freaking football you've ever it seen. It's like a 45-yard oh. pass on the money. Yeah. Like, Sean Hill, everybody.
3: It was if, a one-man route.
1: It's awesome. It's, it's, I mean, how crazy is that? Uh, of the number of people who are amazing athletes, great at sports and everything, and they can't outplay thirty-eight year old Sean Hill. So okay.
4: something to be he, said about he's that. Forty nine games, thirty-five pro starts, Sean Hill.
1: And they were good. Like he has like an eighty six quarterback yeah, rating or something. For... He was solid. Um we got a couple more minutes left in the segment, so I want to get your reaction, Judd, to something I asked Alex and he squirmed around with at the end of last segment, which was Let's say I told you that the two coaches in this game, Mm -hmm. Mike Zimmer, Jason Garrett, I said one this
4: year made the NFC Championship. The other one got fired. Which one is which? Oh, Garrett makes the championship. Zimmer gets fired. Really? The Vikings aren't going to this team right now until they show me so much more. I think Dallas is a mercurial team. They're a weird team, but I do think they've got talent. They're not utilizing it right now. Uh, I... I have yet to see the Vikings get what I consider to be a really good win, like how am I supposed to think that this team can let's say be the sixth seed, go on the road in wild in a wild card game, win on the road there, win on the road again, and I keep trying and I'm disappointed with with myself alex as well because i keep trying to torture that detroit win into a good win i keep saying well yeah detroit's better because i think they're better and matthew stafford he's not too bad and i realize i'm just making excuses you still gave up 30 points and what's the and my question comes back to this you lost in week two in green bay you could have won you lost in kansas city last week you could have won what's the win on this schedule so far where you say really good win i don't i really don't have one guys so, to answer your question, I think Dallas, with Dak, who I like, and Zeke, and that O-line, and some components on defense, I could my, I can get my head around them getting hot and getting to the championship game, partially because I think they're going to win a bad division. The Vikings, I don't right now see the path, you guys. Sorry. The biggest... but I think,
3: to, the, to what you're saying, I agree with you, but I think, number one, Jerry is way more um, competitive than I would say... A lot of other owners. So right now, I think Jason's under a huge microscope. I think that when you talk about the injuries on this offensive line, these two tackles are always injured. You know, now you got Zach Martin on the injury report. Dude, this team could go down in a hurry, right? And not only that, but then your quarterback's very reckless with the ball. I think there's just things in this team that when you're looking, you're like, man, if anything, I could see Dalvin shouldering a lot more of the load and just making it work with this defense coming together off of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I picked. Zimmer to go on and Jason because I think that number one Jerry's way more competitive and he wants his team to obviously win the Super Bowl or nothing this year like it's like dude listen we're we're gonna either have to pay a lot of people off of this year or we're gonna have to pay a lot of people in hopes that we start winning games next you know so for me let's do it now let's go
1: I think we still maintain that if the Vikings make the playoffs that Mike Zimmer is staying, Right, that the only chance that they would move on from him is if they completely missed the playoffs altogether. Yeah. If they had to go on the road to New Orleans and they lose a fairly decent football game, they're not firing Mike Zimmer at that point. I could see Dallas actually making the playoffs, losing in the first round, and Jason Garrett saying, you know what, let's hand the reins over to young Kellen Moore and, and see if he can be the next Sean McVay because right. of Jerry Jones. I can't really figure out either team, but it is really disturbing when you're the Vikings and the three games you've lost are on the road, tough situations, and you've got no shows from your quarterback in each one, and then you look forward... And you start asking yourself, okay, well, how is he going to perform in Dallas? How is he going to perform in Seattle? How is he going to perform? Even Los Angeles just beat Aaron Rodgers and the
2: Chargers. Correct.
1: And, and then you got to play Green Bay and Chicago again. It is a tough schedule. ESPN ranked it as the eighth toughest schedule of the second half of the season. And that would make me think, you know, if the quarterback does the thing that he does,
4: then well, he could end and up And the pass defense does what they're doing right now in crucial right. situations and games. And that's your coach's calling card. That's right. a problem. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Zimmer
1: has a lot of goodwill left with the Vikings or is it entirely to
3: do with you make the playoffs, you stay, you miss the playoffs, you go? Judd, before you say anything, I want to say this. My answer would be this. I mm-hmm. think that he has enough good standing that he'll be fine. That he could say, "Hey, listen, look what I've done with this defense, right? Like we've still made this a really excellent defense." The question becomes what happens with Spielman? Dude, we made a decision yes. on a quarterback that was way off. Not so far off that we like – Like, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think Spielman's for sure gone, and Zim has hope to save a chance because he's like, listen, I can keep this defense at the top five, and the Wolves are going to go, he's not lying. Now, somebody has to get punished because if you don't make the playoffs this year, dude – Somebody has to get fired, and then you're looking at Stefanski, and you're like, "Hey, what happens with him? Are they going to keep him? Does he move on? Does he take a coach? You know, I mean, right. there's so many questions that happen. And then Zim's looking back, like, "Listen, I didn't even really want this guy to begin with. Like, why is my name keeps getting tied to this? I wanted this defense. <laughs> oh, and like he will guys do that. that for oh, for sure, for sure. Oh, for sure. Be a lot yeah. of people stabbing you in the back. You're not a coach if you don't go up there and say, hey, listen, these are my guys. Okay, these are the guys I wanted. They, you guys wanted that guy, or he wanted that guy. That's not lying. You're not being like.'" truthful. You know what I think it would be if
1: they missed the playoffs and it ended up being Spielman? I don't think it's about Kirk. I think it's about the offensive line. I think it's about the fact that you even drafted a guy with the 18th overall pick, which if that's a center, considering positional value, he better be the best damn center in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Like, just positional value. <laughs> I don't. And then uh, you move a guy over to left guard who can't play there and is getting picked up like a child and sacking uh, oh. Kirk with his butt. Yeah, it's a mess. And, and you sign a guy in free agency in Josh Klein, who I respect what he's done in the NFL, but I'm not sure he has a whole lot left there. And it's like, well, you missed on Riley Reef largely. Basically, you're one for five. Like, Brian O'Neill's pretty good. And you each year have gone in saying, we need to fix the offensive line. I mean, 2015, what's the story? Need to fix the offensive line. Going into 2016, need to fix the offensive line. And it has not happened. Rick has
4: never done that. And and Rick, if Rick gets blown out because of cousins it it will not be because of Kirk specifically it will be a lifetime achievement award of never finding a a QB that's the problem but if I'm the guy but if they fire Rick and keep Mike and and I'm the hot young GM candidate that gets myself in front of the Wilfs the first thing I say is gentlemen I gotta hire my head coach
3: yeah, or I, you end I, up want with, own, I want my own. I don't own know guy. if they let you do that. Feeling, yeah. yeah, they're not going to let you do. They're going to be like, "Listen, dude, Mike's given us a great defense. You need to put something up on offense. This is your quarterback. Make it work. You have one year. If you do it right, we'll make you the guy eventually." Like, and, and then i, I I'm think... sta- and then I'm staying at my previous job,
4: like Peyton has a thousand times yeah. before, <laughs> and I remain assistant GM of the New York Jets. Alex yes, Boone. I,
1: I would is. also say though, <laughs> I, true. I think the loser of this football game starts ha- hearing hot seat conversation. Yeah.
3: For sure. If, no, that makes
1: perfect sense. If yes. Dallas goes to 5-4, and four, then all of a sudden they could be tied with Philly. Philly would still have a chance to win the NFC East. Yep. If the Vikings lose it, then they're sliding back, and you've got other teams who are coming along like Los Angeles and Carolina who could overtake you, and this is going to feel like the wheels are coming off if they lose this game. I think for both teams, it's mm-hmm. going to have that feeling, and then all of a sudden we get the hot seat conversations. All right, Judd, you sticking around? Yeah, I got plenty of time. Okay, you got nothing. I got, I got nothing All but right. time. All right, just wasn't sure. If I'm, I'm like a punter. Something. <laughs> I'm, I'm working out. I'm working out. I'm golfing, and I'm talking um, to you. You're definitely not doing two of those things. Well, so. I'm not. I'm not ripped. All so. right, we'll come back in just a second. Here, you listen to Purple Daily on Score North.
4: You no, know, he wants to throw the football, but he will move out of the pocket. He will scramble some. Uh, he's been throwing the ball really well, accurately. He's getting the ball out. You know, it's um, they're good in play actions, and uh, typically their pass game is six-man protections.
1: Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, there, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Judd Zelgad. And uh, before we wrap here today. Bill Barnwell has a list of the top quarterbacks that never win the Super Bowl, and there are some kind of surprising names on that list. Uh, so we'll get, we get to that later on. Um, to, yeah, exactly. The, but the, he did his list, I'm sorry, I said it wrong, to never appear in a Super Bowl. So Dan Marino did. He would be the obvious answer to the best that never won. But his list, well, we, you want to talk about this now? Because this is sort of in front of my face. Where's Ponder. I'm interested. I had I other don't stuff, not to talk about here. this. Um, okay, so crap. Declan loves this list because it has Jeff Blake on it for some reason. Wow. Um, uh, but at the, <laughs> he said he didn't like that at yeah. the top. Yeah, I know, Declan. That's the joke. Thank you. <laughs> um, Philip Rivers, Warren Moon, Dan Fouts, Tony Romo, Jim Hart, Jim Everett, Jim J- Hart, Jeff Garcia. I know. Uh, Jay Cutler, Randall Cunningham, and Jeff Blake. Who is the best one of those? Who Who's the guy that you hate never got to a Super Bowl? It's like extended hot routes.
3: I mean, I, I guess since we're talking about the theme of the Cowboys, I'd say Tony Romo. I mean, I was – and then he cost the, the, the fumble that, you know, cost him the kick. <laughs> and the Dude, that was just the way that that all went down, transpired. That was just rough. But, I mean, I think that, yeah, it would have to be Tony in my opinion. I mean, he's just so close to – he was one of those guys that I always watched every week in and week out.
1: Tony Romo is interesting because there is – there's a Kirk Cousins comparison there a little bit. And the peak Tony Romo of 2014 is better than Kirk Cousins has ever been. So yeah. it's not exactly right. I mean, 34 touchdowns, 113 quarterback rating. Kirk never did any of that. The years before that, though, you had eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and seven before he had his best career year, which was coincidentally at 34 years old. I mean, which you know does happen to NFL quarterbacks pretty often later in their career. They have um, maybe their best season. But Romo, with always the this guy can't really win us anything, and he's going to lose in the playoffs. He went two and four in playoff games. Ninety-three quarterback rating, which is just okay. Seven point one yards per attempt, again just okay. Of course, Des did catch it, as I mentioned earlier. But uh,
4: I is there any comparison there, or is that is that stupid, Judd? I could see a slight one. I, I think because. Because Pete Tony, in a time period that you mentioned, was I th- I think a better quarterback, mm-hmm. I would always take him. But yeah, there's probably a, a comp there. I think the best guy to me, without a shadow of a doubt, is Warren Moon. Warren Moon was a great mm-hmm. quarterback. Man, yeah, that yeah. guy could throw a rope. That guy, the trajectory on on his passes, I mean, it was just bang. And he won what four Grey Cups or something like that, four or five Grey Cups. And if he had ever got with the right team, which of course included a stint here with the Vikings in the '90s, he would have been he he could have won a Super Bowl, I think, with the right situation and team, pretty easily. I don't think I've ever asked you, uh,
1: Alex, like who was your favorite like players team when you were growing up? Was it all
3: all Cleveland? Yeah, we were obviously huge Cleveland fans. I mean, everyone loves Cleveland, but I mean, I was a big uh, Jonathan Ogden fan. I mean I liked watching O and Larry Allen. Dude, I remember when I got to meet Larry Allen, I almost cried because <laughs> we were at the Super Bowl, I swear to god. And I had just got to San Fran as Larry was coming out of San Fran and they were like telling me all these stories about him and they're like, dude, Larry Allen is the greatest dude in the world I was like, really? They would tell me all these cool stories about him and his kids and they'd be like, Dude, this awesome dude. So we go to the Super Bowl, true story, right before the game starts. They're introducing the Hall of Fame class from that year and you know and they introduce Larry and he throws up the LA sign, you know, and everyone's like laughing on the sideline and he's like making a big joke out of him. he comes over, he's got the biggest dip in, puts his hand on my shoulder, he's like, Yo man, good luck today. He's like, I hope you get it. I'm like, Oh my god! I'm so excited. Like I was instantly, I was like, "Dude, this is great." Because I remember watching those guys just steamroll people, like Flozell Adams, guys like that, that just used to play with guys like they were little kids, and you were like, "Dude, this is so fun to watch." So I didn't really have teams; I just had more guys I would watch. So you said basically to offensive
1: <laughs> Flo Flo-Zell, yeah, Flo-Zell, Flozell man was and-
3: so good. Dude, I was a true alignment young. I was in the fourth grade. I was going to say, at what age were you massive? Dude, I was huge. I was this exact size in the eighth grade. I was six feet eight inches tall, and I'm like 290 pounds. I was like 275 in the eighth grade. I was massive. Like in the first grade, I was in the first grade. I was bigger than my teacher, and in the third grade, I was the biggest kid in the school. Like I, there was no comparison to me to anybody, and that's why it was like, dude, I was so unathletic. You grew up
1: next to a nuclear power plant. How did this happen? Um, I don't know. The only reason I was going to ask you before we got into that weird childhood trauma—trauma? Um, was... trauma?
4: Are you kidding? In it's a great old, career, and he made millions of dollars. Oh, okay, well, I wasn't sure if you felt no. like uh, just because you know, he was a freak an outcast as a kid, because man. Right, worked out for him. <laughs> 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 no, seriously. I mean, and plus, you know, how's what? the weather up there, Alex? Your hey, teacher says in first grade, there's oh, nothing God. better. There's nothing that beats being the biggest kid who everyone in your class is scared of. It's the greatest. I had that advantage. (laughs) I wasn't huge, but I was big (laughs) enough. Huskies on yeah, my table. Uh, yeah. Anyway, oh come on! You, you you didn't use that once or twice.
1: The, the direction I was going to go with this was uh-huh. to ask Alex about Bernie Kosar because oh, Bernie, Bernie Kosar isn't on this list only because he appeared in the 1993 Dallas Super Bowl when he was the backup. He came in and threw a handful of oh, passes. That's not fair. That does not count yeah, to me. Count. That does Bernie not count. Sure. And and I would put. I would say that doesn't count. Coming in as a backup to throw a few balls. That Bernie Kosar deserves to be up in the. Top Top three or four, right there with Rivers, Warren Moon, Dan Fouts, ahead of Tony Romo. I For would sure. also put Randall Cunningham way ahead of way ahead. Jim Everett. Like Jim Everett had a short time where he was decent. Cunningham was an amazing quarterback. But what what was the sense on uh, from you growing up with Bernie Kosar?
3: Like just. Uh, but- a legend, right? Legend. Everybody loved Bernie. Like if you ever talked bad about Bernie in Cleveland, you got beat up. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I had the brown starter jacket, and there was a crew of oh, us at those school. Were amazing. Everybody had the quarter zip or the half zip with the oh. little pouch in the front. Yes, dude, yes. yes. Don't even the get pouch. me started. Yes, yes. I had the a zipper yep. had the starters logo, and mm. you were like, dude, it's official. It's got the starters logo. Yes. If you ever talked bad about the Browns, you got beat up. We used to go down to <laughs> Municipal Stadium when they blew it up, and we got we got pieces of the stadium because my uncle at the time was the captain of Cleveland. So they were like, cops couldn't stop us. It was great.
1: That is amazing. What pieces?
3: I don't know. They, they blew up the building, and we ran down there. The cops were kick like, him not come in here. I was like, God, Key Salzer's my uncle. They were like, go ahead, hurry up. I, <laughs> that's what I thought. I mean, they
1: were taking that place apart in the final game. Have you ever watched yeah. that one? Yes. I mean, they're like yes. throwing,
3: I don't know how they did it, oh, but the they're like pound throwing chairs stuff. Yeah. from the pissed. stadium. Yeah, and that's, why, and that's why I say that Art Freddie, moved on them. Dude, if you could just win there, if you could go eight and eight, or like you know, stay relevant in the North, that city would be so grateful. But you can't even do that. There's so much dysfunction now with that team. It's just it's not working. Do you think that
1: if Kirk, I, I I totally agree with you. I'd love to see uh, Buffalo's a little relevant now. It's nice love Cleveland. Any them. any time that a team that struggled for a long time becomes relevant, that's why it was exciting for Cleveland before the season, but now not so much. Um, but on on a list like this quarterbacks to never reach the Super Bowl, I think if you were going to lay down a bet with Kirk Cousins, you would go against him ever reaching a Super Bowl. Is he on a list like this? I think he probably is when it's all said and done because people will look at the yards that he puts up, the statistics, the touchdowns, and all those things, and say, well, the guy was a better version after of Jim the fact, Everett.
4: After the, way, way after, I think yes. Immediately, I think no. So if it's like 10 years down the road... Is that because of quarterback play and how it's just better now? Well, I also think that that we'll go back and people who are young now will look at the stats and be like, oh, he was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But if you come to old people like us at that time, we'll say, Sonny Boy, let me tell you about Kirk Cousins. (laughs) He wasn't all that good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I want. I, yeah, I, I really know. do think it'll change. Trying to decide. Tell me if you have this same trouble, Alex. Like trying to decide whether Kirk Cousins is good has been like the best conversation to have in Minnesota sports for two straight years because he does so much that will convince you the answer can be yes. Right. I mean, the the, the games against Philly and Detroit, and there have been a dozen of them since he's been here that are just spectacular performances, including in Los Angeles. And then you see what happens in Kansas city. And he is the guy that might have the strengthiest strengths and the weakiest weaknesses yeah. that I've ever come across. And it makes him a fascinating quarterback. And I just was sort of moving myself forward here, 10 or 15 years and wondering wait, will people look at what he did in terms of statistics if he never reaches a Super Bowl and think, yeah, he's right in that same ballpark as a lot of those great quarterbacks that we mentioned on Bill Barnwell's list?
3: Well, I think if you're looking at it contract-wise, people are going to be like, dude, this guy certainly... If he's on a list like that, they're going to be like, he certainly was not what they thought he was. And when you look at it, a lot of it's predicated on the run game. Like when you're a quarterback that has to be predicated on the run game, that's tricky because it's like, well, you kinda go up and down with the team. You mm-hmm. don't carry the team. Yeah. You don't yeah. you don't you don't propel the team into the next I don't know, let's say Echelon. You know, you're not the Tom Brady's where it's like, dude, Tom can do it without a defense, without a run game, without <laughs> an offensive line. The Peyton Mannings, the guys that know how to do it, they do it week in and week out at an extremely high level. Guys that you hear about, especially like a Carson Palmer type, that like, uh, you, know, you, you would hear about uh, taking over games and playing so well. It, you know, it just I think that when you listen and hear about that, they're going to be like, dude, this guy was really good when he had a good running back in his backfield. So you bring up the
1: contract at the beginning of what you said there, and that is something that I wonder how we'll think of that. Um, And what I mean is, whatever it is now it'll be doubled within 10 years or something, oh, yeah. right? That whoever the best quarterback is then, or even when Patrick Mahomes signs a new contract, 13, yeah. he'll get $200, million. 200 million guaranteed, and we'll all go, well, you know, compared to that, Kirk's deal wasn't really that bad. Right I at think, the time. We're already think, saying that. But I think, yeah, I think history sort of eliminates those conversations. Those are now types of conversations, but as far as when we look back 10 years from now, back on Kirk Cousins, I don't think we're going to say, remember they paid him a lot? I think it'll be entirely about did he win versus the
4: regular season statistics that he put up, won't it? That's fair. Absolutely, yeah. Because we'll go back to they signed him to do a very particular and difficult thing, right? Get to a Super Bowl, and right now it's tracking. He's not going to come close right, so who cares what he's paid you you went out and signed this guy to take a, a 13 and three team with case as its quarterback to become this you know fantastic Super Bowl team. They went eight, seven and one and God knows now mm-hmm. you know you're right. you're six and three, but you've beat six teams that a lot of teams could be. All right football things that Alex Boone needs to explain
1: to Declan and Jonathan that will come <laughs> up next. And uh, let's let's decide, Alex, who's going to win this game in Dallas. We'll be right back. Matthew Collar, Judd and Alex Boone on Purple Daily.
0: Score North download here. Jonathan here with this hour's download brought to you by the Think Great Foundation. Celebrate Veterans Day and support our military spouses on November 11th. The Think Great Foundation will award $25,000 in academic scholarships. Support the families that support our freedom. Go to thinkgreatfoundation.org. To help, Andrew Sandejo return to the Vikings. They claimed him off of waivers, so they had to drop someone. Who did they drop? They dropped Marcus Epps. Well, the Eagles then picked up Marcus Epps, so there's a nice little trade that the Vikings and Eagles did there. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, uh,
1: Declan and Jonathan, uh, what they do every week is when Alex comes on, they make sure they're paying attention to their football terminology. They write down things they don't understand. And then at the end of Thursday's show, they ask questions. So what uh, do you fellas have for Alex to explain terminology in the game Let's of do it. football?
0: Alex, I was uh, first off, what's going on? Uh, second, I was watching the Jaguars game in London on Sunday.
1: And Minshew is about to go right under center. But before he does so, he says, Ray, look out there. We've got a 20. And then hikes the ball. What the? What does that mean? What is he, he talking said, about?
3: He said, "Ray, look out there, we got a 20. Yeah,
1: and I tried to
2: look up too if his like his center was was named Ray. It was no, it's not.
3: not. It's Brandon Linder.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I I that was I was wondering if that was even a sec first the first of the code words, but
3: Ray, we've got a twenty. Ray, was was it a uh, quarterback sneak? No, it was a pass. It was a pass. They passed the ball. It. It, it must have sounded like Ray, we got a twenty, but it was probably red twenty, red twenty. Mm. Yeah, hearing because Ray, like, I know that there was a play. I think it was from um, yeah. this Vikings game where we heard someone say "River River" on a quarterback sneak. And if you see "River River" or "Lake Lake," it tells you which direction the quarterback's going to go. Ah, there you go. That's but right. But don't so they know that?
1: that? Don't defensive yeah, players don't know, they that? know that? But Red 20, Twenty. Let me ask you something. Green Eighty. Real quick, real yeah, quick, real yeah. quick.
3: Yeah. love it. You're. you're you got your hand in the ground, and you look up, and one inch from your face is my face. Yeah. And I probably uh. spit in your face or something. Oh, dude, talking, wow. I would ask now, you to stop. Now, all of a sudden, football. do you hear river, river, lake, lake, or are you like, dude, I'm going to smash this dude now? Nah, like, I'm oh. really pissed. <laughs> like, you're not like, hey, guys, you know what I heard out there? <laughs> Let me tell you. I heard a little fox. I okay? heard <laughs> a little Omaha. Just to let you know, like, no, we're the ones that come back. Like, hey, I heard Cougar and Swipe and Scoop. And if you hear those, they're all slanting because they're idiots and they have to say it a hundred times. Now, fellows, it sounds like they're going to the left. Yeah. All of a sudden, you hear Scoop, Scoop. Hey, they're slanting. They're slanting. Yeah, it's
1: the best. All right, how do you think this one plays out, Vikings and Cowboys?
3: I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Yeah, th- this one. is an answer. It's, don't segment. we all? Don't know, Alex is Linvald playing in your scenario?
1: I'm going to say he is. Okay. I'll say okay. yes. He practiced in full two days ago and then did not practice today. What's wrong? Uh, Do we know?
2: Check.
3: Okay, never mind. I okay. mind. think it was a knee. And then all of a sudden Mike right. Hughes shows up on the injury. Yeah, yeah limited. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, okay. that happens a lot this time of year. I get it. guys I I know. I'm just saying that you're playing in the, like, you know, one Let of the best. Let me tell, tell you about life. how this works, Alex. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how this goes. Well, you, I'll let's,
4: yeah, let's hear it.
3: Come on. I, Come on, I think that ahead. I'm going to have to go with Dallas because it's a road game, and the mm-hmm. road games with this team scare me. Yeah. You know, and you talk about going into a place with a defense that's playing really red hot right now with the formula that was just given to them by Kansas City. Dude, Kansas City. Swanson over the middle was taking you out the whole day Mm -hmm. like this scares me a little bit more now you have linebackers especially with a Leighton Vanderesh who could come back this week and Sean Lee took down Saquon Barkley by himself Sean Lee plays in two games a year this might be the (laughs) second game he plays in this year he's a good player like there's players on this defense that scare me a lot especially in their house and that's why I say Dallas I like that to get
1: you to give predictions we have to like coax you like I would do with the dog to jump out of the car like you can do it it's okay it's yeah, but it then he came strong. Down, yeah, right. And she runs real fast once she gets out of the car. It's the same way. Um, <laughs> wow. It is. Uh, you should be proud to be. I'm get, glad he's not in studio. To you get might any get beat comparison up. to my dog, you should be proud of that. That is a I Greyhound. She runs 30 miles an hour. You're welcome. Um, I'm still searching for what it was with Linval Joseph. It was a knee, so I don't know how that's going to work out. We'll find out tomorrow, but the injury report playing a huge role in this one. Alex, always great stuff, man. We will get together again next Tuesday and uh, decide who's getting fired.
3: (laughs) You guys are the best.
1: See ya. (laughs) All right, tomorrow, Brian Murphy first hour, Myron Metcalf the second hour, and uh, I will give you my thoughts and prediction on what's going to happen in the game, which always means a lot. So we'll talk to you then. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next here on Score North.
0: This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for 2 Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone.